Hello there, me again. Welcome to another episode of World of Wallace and Gromit, the podcast, where this week we're going to be looking at Wallace and Gromit's fifth adventure, A Matter of Loaf and Death. When it was aired on Christmas Day 2008, it had the most viewers of any programme that year, and for the first time, we're introduced to a canine love for Gromit. Let's take a look. Last time, we talked about Aardman's three-movie deal with DreamWorks, which resulted in the production of Chicken Run, Wallace and Gromit in The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, and Flushed Away. Flushed Away disappointed DreamWorks at the box office, and along with rising tensions between the studios over creative and cultural differences, caused this decision to be made that Aardman and DreamWorks would go their separate ways. Additionally, the creator of Wallace and Gromit, Nick Park, also wanted to return to a shorter format, with a smaller crew for future Wallace and Gromit films. Whilst it had been exciting to work on such a big project as Curse of the Were-Rabbit, he wanted to feel more in control of the whole process, and felt that Wallace and Gromit were more suited to half-hour shorts for the stories he wanted to tell. As we mentioned last episode, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit could be described in a few words simply as a vegetarian horror story, and when writer Bob Baker and Nick Park came together to write this new story, it could be described similarly in one line as a bread-based murder mystery. Originally, Nick wanted to call the film Trouble at Mill, which would sound much better if I had a Lancashire accent. This is a reference to the same northern phrase, meaning problems outside the household, especially in the workplace. A clever play on words relating to the film content in more ways than one. However, it was decided that the phrase would not translate well abroad, and so a new title was going to be needed. Apparently, Nick was in a taxi thinking about alternatives when the driver asked him of the name of his next film, and laughed when Nick said a matter of loaf and death. This sealed the deal for Nick that this pun reference on the great British film A Matter of Life and Death was a good option to go with. The film tells the story of Wallace and Gromit working in their new bakery business, Top Bun, run from their home, adapted for baking, complete with windmill and all. However, a serial killer is at large, and bakers seem to be their top target. Twelve bakers have been murdered before the film even starts. After going through a wonderfully designed, classic Wallace and Gromit-style get-you-up sequence through the house and factory, whilst out delivering bread and other baked goods, Wallace and Gromit save a former pin-up girl for the Baker-like bread company, Paella Bakewell, along with her poodle Fluffles from Death by Crocodile, when the brakes on her bike supposedly fail. My name's Paella. Paella Bakewell. Oh, I know who you are, miss. Light as a feather, you're the Baker-like girl. <laughs> That's me. Despite Gromit's attempts at warning Wallace that this Paella is a bad egg, Wallace is smitten and even ends up engaged to her. Little does he know that there are plans for him to complete the Baker's dozen of murders. Naturally, Gromit has it all figured out, but can he wordlessly save Wallace before it's too late? Like the previous Wallace and Gromit films, this film has only a handful of characters, but that doesn't stop it from having all the ingredients for a great story. I think what I particularly love about this film, besides all the brilliant contraption sequences and fantastic puns and visual gags, is the character development of Fluffles. When we meet her, she's a nervous little thing, terrified to step a toe out of line for fear of the wrath of her mistress. But she has a good heart, and great courage which builds. 
first we see it when she returns Gromit's things despite the danger that she puts herself in as a result. And then finally, when everything seems lost for Wallace and Gromit, who would save the day but a forklift-driving poodle come to fight against her evil mistress with some serious machine-handling skills? The icing on the cake comes right at the end, when she's invited to join Wallace and Gromit and becomes part of the family. We know by now that the Armand team love taking inspiration by referencing other films in Wallace and Gromit. To mention just a few, we get to see Wallace and Piella paying homage to the famous pottery scene from the film Ghost, only with bread dough instead of clay. When Gromit enters Piella's gothic-style house, the scene up the stairs in the dark references similar shots from Hitchcock's Psycho. Also, the scene where Wallace is trying to escape Piella's attack under the vents in the bakery is a nod to a similar chase in James Cameron's 1986 film Aliens. I couldn't ride the balloon anymore. Oh dear. So they dropped me. In true Ardman style, there's no shortage of visual puns. Piella's shoes are poochy. Furry liquid is by the sink instead of fairy liquid. There's also Tank Top Man and Cheesy Jet to name a few. Even in Gromit's LP collection, we see Puppy Love by Doggy Osmond, Hits by McFlee, The Beagles and The Hound of Music. The beady-eyed among you will also have spotted a wanted poster outside the zoo indicating that Feathers McGraw has escaped. Will we see him in a future adventure, I wonder? There are loads more that I haven't mentioned, but you can see that though it's only half an hour, each minute of this film is packed with detail. When developing the character of Fluffles, Nick Park noted that poodles are often thought of as being quite shallow and glitzy, but he wanted Fluffles to look more along the lines of 40s Hollywood in terms of hairstyle, an elegant kind of glam, a little Julie Garlandish, and very cute and sweet, but traumatised by her owner. Originally, there was also going to be sequences extending Gromit and Fluffles' love story, but it had to be compressed to fit within the film's half-an-hour limit. Overall, we see a similar style of plot to previous films. Wallace and Gromit start a business, and a customer of which Wallace falls in love with. Additionally, they have something to do with the plot to harm Wallace and Gromit, or certainly disrupt their lives, which is not helped by Wallace making lots of blunders, blinded by his love for said female character. Gromit figures out what's going on and has to save the day, usually not held by Wallace until the last minute when whatever it is going on finally clicks for him. Good triumphs, despite romances rarely working out, and Wallace and Gromit can go back to their ordinary life at 62 West Wallaby Street. It's a formula that's worked many times for them, and enables characters to be explored in sufficient depth to be meaningful, but still allow scope for development in the plot itself, with twists in the basic formula and of course allowing space and time for locks of gags. With most of the crew having worked on The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, the film's production was relatively straightforward, as everyone was very familiar with the characters. However, transitioning from a feature film mindset to that of a TV programme meant getting to grips with much lower budgets, and consequently less ambition with the script itself, though not so little that it makes it any less worthwhile viewing than a film three times its length. Nick Park also really liked not having to think how the film would be received by a child in Central America, for example. He could create a culturally British film for his audiences and not be subjected to persistent changes requested by Hollywood. When making props and models for the films, the number of the same model needed for each character or machine largely depends on the schedule for the film. For instance, five Gromit models were made, which meant scenes could be shot simultaneously on 13 sets. 
For the same reason, two forklift trucks were needed. The tricky part with those is that the age markings and scrapes had to be perfectly matched between the models. Even though they'd already got the mechanical design sorted, it still took about three weeks for the model makers to make the second one, copying it exactly from the first. Such painstaking detail from the model makers there. This was the first Armand film to be shot digitally, and the software Stop Motion Pro was used. Shooting digitally reduced the size of the cameras needed, as effectively only stills cameras were needed. This meant that more complex and harder to get to camera angles and supporting rigs could be used, which the larger film cameras wouldn't have been able to do. These were then linked to larger screens with the software, which not only allowed animators to really be able to see the fine detail of characters when zooming in, but enabled production directors to see the final animation sequences much earlier than previously. When you shoot the film, the playback from the software is pretty much what you'll get on the final film. This makes it much easier to get a good idea what the final product will be and if any changes are needed to be made. Unfortunately, just before it was released officially, some amateur filming clips with poor sound but revealing the whole film were uploaded to YouTube by someone acting illegally. Luckily, they were spotted and Ardman acted swiftly working with YouTube so that the clips were removed within the hour. Phew. Thankfully, this unexpected leak did not harm their reception when it was broadcast on Christmas Day in 2008. A massive 14.4 million people tuned in, 23% of the whole of the UK, and taking a 53.3% share of all TV viewings at the time. The film went on to win a BAFTA and an Annie Award, as well as being nominated for six others, including an Oscar. Despite not being surrounded by as much sensationalism as their previous adventure, a Matter of Loaf and Death still contains all the qualities that make an Arben film. It's far darker than previous films, but still has the ability to entertain the whole family in the light-hearted and witty way that Wallace and Gromit do so well. What do you think of that then, Gromit? Today, I'll be reviewing not one, but two short books released around the same time as A Matter of Loaf and Death. The novelisation of the film and The Matter of Loaf and Death joke book. The novelisation was produced in 2008 and was adapted from Nick Park and Bob Baker's screenplay by Penny Worms. Dividing the story up into chapters, this book tells the same narrative as the film, but pads it out a little to make for better reading. For example, in the film near the beginning, we see Wallace and Gromit delivering bread all over town, and if we're observant, we notice the names of the shops. However, in the book, this sequence is slowed down and detail is explained more, as follows. Wallace and Gromit's top bun delivery round was a slick operation. First, they had to supply all the businesses across town, from Patter Cake's Patisserie on the east side of town to Bert's Butty Bar in the west. After visiting the sandwich shops and other big customers, they went around the neighbourhoods to deliver householders daily bread, launching loaves like newspapers out of the van window through people's letterboxes and into their mailboxes. Although I wouldn't say this is essential reading for every Wallace and Gromit fan, the 87-page book grasps the storyline well and delivers all the key aspects to the story we know from the film. There are even a few colour stills from the film in the centre pages of the book. The writing style is relatively straightforward and easy to understand, so I'd say this would make an ideal book for children starting to read independently, ages 7 or 8 plus. Moving on to the joke book, this is divided into sections mostly themed around different characters or themes. We have Wallace's finest jokes, going into the bakery, and introducing Fluffles, to name a few. 
as to be expected, some jokes are better than others, ranging from the cringeworthy, what do bakers use to make fairy cakes, elf raising flour, to the rather dark and specific, how did Paella mark her engagement to Bob Baker, with a celebratory bash. And then my personal favourite, how do you make a cake stand? Take its chair away, of course. So if you're ever in need of a joke about this film, baked goods or dogs, this book will definitely be able to help you out. Ah, all's well that ends well, that's what I say. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you've enjoyed looking at this film, and indeed all the films so far. Next week, we'll be going back in time a bit to look at the series of short cracking contraptions mini-films made between A Close Shave and The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. See you then! From me, from Gromit, from Arj. Au revoir, chaps.